North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bag full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusion supply. See stores for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I think you guys know me by now. I'm Dr. Lauren Noel, a.k.a. Dr. Low, and I'm a naturopathic doctor here in sunny San Diego, California. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the continued support with the show. If you missed the last show a couple of weeks ago, it was with Dr. Martin Milner. He's a naturopathic cardiologist. It was a great show, great resource for anyone who is um, suffering from heart disease, knows of anyone who is, so definitely check that out if you missed it. It was a great show. Kind of over some people's heads. It was pretty complicated stuff, but good resource to have. You can take some notes while you're listening to it, and it's just a lot of really good information. I wrote a blog yesterday for jennaphillips.com. She's a, a celebrity trainer, and it was all about toxin overload. We're getting kind of out of the summer season. Everybody's, you know, enjoying themselves all summer and probably eating food they shouldn't eat and drinking maybe a little more alcohol than they should drink and kind of getting into that detox season. I detox myself twice a year. I think it's really, really important to do. We are in an increasingly toxic environment, so it's really important to get those things cleared out. And yes, we all have toxins in our bodies. Symptoms of toxin overload include gas, bloating, headaches, brain fog, acne, skin rashes, to bad breath, and dark circles under your eyes, weight gain. It's very vast of things that can that can really show up for a person with toxin overload. And it sounds familiar, I think, to most of us because we all do deal with some of these things. So they're not cleared out properly, it can lead to a lot of chronic disease conditions. So I definitely suggest that you check out the website. I put together a detox program. Until this Friday, it'll be 20% off of the whole program, including all the supplements. So check it out. That's at drlaurennoel.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-E-N-N-O-E-L.com. And if you sign up with a friend or a partner, like a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, you get even more of a discount. So it's great to do it together and have that support. I have put together some Facebook and Twitter questions for, I I guess I should say I've collected some questions from Facebook and Twitter for tonight's show. If you want to add in some questions, you're welcome to do so. You can either do them online. My Facebook page is Dr. Lo Noel, D-R-L-O-N-O-E-L, and Twitter is Dr. Lauren Noel. And, of course, you can call in as usual, 818-495-6919. That's 818-495-6919. Going to uh, announce who's going to be on the show in just a second, but first, mark your calendar for next week's show. We're going to have a really special guest. He's a medical doctor. His name is Dr. Abu Nassar. He is a conventionally trained medical doctor with a specialty in anti-aging medicine and geriatrics, which if you're not familiar, that's the treatment of the elderly population. The topic is going to be all about memory and brain power, so how to really boost that brain power, how to prevent cognitive decline, and, you know, Alzheimer's is very, very common these days, and how can you really prevent that from happening? And if you're not elderly and you're experiencing some brain fog and memory problems, how can you help that be remedied? So that will be all next week, so check that out. It will be one week from today. So on to tonight's topic. This is all about sports and natural medicine. I'm really excited about this show, and it's funny. I actually had a a Twitter message sent to me about a month ago from an NBA, a very, very well-known NBA player. I won't say who he is, just I don't want to put him out there like that, but he sent me a direct message and said, Dr. Noel, I love what you're writing about. I love naturopathic medicine. I've been using it for myself. I see a couple different docs 
in two different cities that I live in, and it's made a huge difference in my performance. And that was really inspiring. And I said, wow, i got to have someone on the show that specializes in sports medicine. So I sought out uh, Dr. Jason Barker, and that's who we have on the show tonight. Dr. Jason Barker is a naturopathic doctor with a specialty in sports medicine. He's a graduate of Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine and completed a two-year residency at the National College of Natural Medicine where I went to school um, in Portland, Oregon. He's written numerous articles for the journals Alternative and Complementary Therapies, Natural Pharmacy and the Townsend Letter, and he's co-authored the book Herbs and Nutrients for the Mind, a guide to natural brain enhancers. Dr. Barker lectures internationally on natural medicine, and he has been interviewed on radio programs across the country, and we are very lucky to have him on the show. So, Dr. Barker, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Good thanks evening. so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to have you. So, I actually have never even talked to you before, so I really don't know a whole lot about you besides the, the bio on your website. And um, so, yes, yeah, so maybe you can just kind of fill me in and my listeners in of, you know, what's your journey been like and what brought you into specializing, you know, into the, the sports medicine realm? Sure. Well, I grew up in a really athletic family, and my brothers and I were always um, making uh, health drinks and vitamin concoctions. And uh, if you remember Joe Weider, he used to make, uh, he was kind of the first uh, protein powder uh, supplement seller. So anyway, we were always uh, making making things to make us healthy and, like I said, an athletic family. And then I kind of uh, went, um, you know, growing up, and then I went and got a exercise and sports science degree, so sports medicine, and was always interested in the natural natural medicine realm because when I did get sick as a kid, I always wondered, well, why are they just giving me a drug? Why don't they tell me anything else that I can do to make myself feel better? And even on top of that, in high school, uh, I was a cross-country runner, and we also did uh, track. And my coach's um, very salient uh, dietary advice was, hey, you guys, just don't eat Pizza Hut for lunch today when there was a meat or something like that. So that's about as good as it got back then. But um, so I always had an interest in in, uh, performance and and, uh, pushing your body and making yourself feel better and how can you do that naturally and, of course, being a – active and athletic person, I wanted to um, explore this and learn more about this so I could share it with others. So I went and got my uh, naturopathic medical degree, and then I've started, you know, ever since I've been, began practice 10 years ago, just focused on uh, what I call natural sports medicine. So that is uh, for, you know, ranges from anything from musculoskeletal problems all the way to dietary advice, and of course, using anything that's natural. I kind of have a saying in that uh, there's more to sports medicine than ibuprofen because that's typically what you'll get. You'll either get surgery, physical therapy, or ibuprofen. And, of course, I'm really simplifying that, but you know, that, this is why I get so busy is because people are looking for something else other than those three things to make themselves feel better. Right, absolutely. And and I just see naturopathic medicine as being such an amazing addition to um, you know, the regimen that an athlete has and their, their workouts, their practices, and then having naturopathic medicine in addition to that, that can only just help to increase their performance and recovery and all of that, right? Absolutely. It's a it's a huge deal. Like I said, there's, um, you know, people get their, their dietary advice from, from questionable places, They um, and that and that's kind of it, and they get offered, you know, a pill. Uh, geez, you're, like I see, for instance, I see a lot of athletic women when, Women are very active and athletic. They tend to lose weight. 
that throws their hormones off. They stop menstruating. That's not a good thing for their bones. And then these these women are often offered uh, just a birth control pill when nobody's actually stopping to look at, well, why is your body actually doing this? So there's a huge spectrum, and there's a lot of different things that we can help an athletic person with using naturopathic medicine. Right. So in general, how can naturopathic medicine be useful for an athlete or someone who is very, very active? Well, what we want to do, what what I will do in my practice is uh, typically somebody comes in, they have a problem, uh, and then, you know, it quickly um, turns into, well, they've got more than just one problem. You know, they're here because, oh, I get headaches when I run, or like I said, my period stopped, or this or that or the other. But what, you know, what we often uncover and that what I spend a lot of time teaching people is that just because they're very fit doesn't mean that they're healthy. A uh, good example of that is I had a, a triathlete. He's an Ironman triathlete, qualifies for the um, world championships out in Kona, Hawaii every year. 43 years old, he had a heart attack. So very fit guy, doesn't have an ounce of fat on his body. Uh, you know, of course, he's a triathlete, but something else was going on in his body. So his doctors didn't really do much for him other than tell him to exercise less because, of course, his cholesterol wasn't high, anything like that. Turns out Mm -hmm. this guy was creating tons of inflammation in his body, and that's something that we're addressing and trying to keep his um, cardiovascular system as fit as we can and as healthy as we can. Mm -hmm. Got it. So I just think that's very interesting because, you know, I've kind of moved towards recommending for patients more like interval training and not so much of endurance training because I've seen, at least in some of the experience that I've had with patients that when they do a lot of the endurance training, they tend, some of them, some of the women in particular, have more problems down the line like losing weight and they just, you know, are very run down their adrenal glands. I'm sure we'll get into that. Just really take a beating. What's your philosophy on that um, with endurance training versus like more the short burst training like intervals? Well, I think like like many things, there are certain people who do better with different types of exercise. So mm-hmm. certainly, um, you know, and I will tell you up front, I'm biased because I'm more of an endurance athlete, so I do better at that mm-hmm. than the interval things. But no, I totally hear what you're saying as far as, um, you know, like let me back up. You know, people do, do well with different types of activities. Some people uh, are runners. They'll only run a 5K. You know, it's 3.1 miles. That's fine. Other people um, would rather run, run, you know, these uh, crazy ultra distances, 100-mile races. So it depends on the body type, and it depends on their fitness. It depends on their type of health. But certainly um, with endurance exercise, um, you know, that is going to cause more issues for somebody than doing what you're talking about, shorter burst, uh, shorter duration types of exercise. Everybody does need to exercise. Um I think we all agree on that. We all agree that it's, um, you know, it's the best medicine we've got. It's free for the most part, mm-hmm. and it, it it is incredibly beneficial for your body. But certainly um, the more we do that, the more problems we can cause in your body. So, um, yeah, endurance exercise, you're creating more acidity in the body. You're creating uh, more inflammation. You're creating uh, more oxidation. You are certainly uh, disturbing hormone levels, that's for sure. And I'll never argue that... You know, like this fellow who is uh, the triathlete going to, you know, doing the Ironman distance, um, he's not going to live longer than the rest of us, that's for sure. <laughs> so right. it depends on the person. 
And, and and what's so great about naturopathic medicine is it's very holistic. It takes into account every aspect of that person's life. And so it's like, okay, let's really optimize this person's lifestyle, decrease the amount of inflammation in their lifestyle and their diet to where they're, they can better handle something like endurance cra- training, correct? Right. And then, you know, if they do choose to do that, then we need to support their bodies so that they can minimize the damage from that. So certainly right. the, the person who... Um, you know, any any kind of sport, a uh, soccer player, it's a you know shorter duration, uh, higher intensity sport. But if they're not going to do the things to take care of their body and support it, they're going to create some some uh, some wear and some damage. So, mm-hmm. you know, using the body certainly has its benefits, but it's just like a car. You know, your car is designed to drive fast and and perform well, but if you don't take care of it, you're going to have problems with it. Same thing with the body. So we always want to try and support people's systems to, um, you know, provide for them what they want to do with their bodies as far as athletics go. Exactly. So in your experience, you see a lot of athletes in your practice, obviously, and I'm sure you see, you know, a lot of common things that people do. And what, what would you say are some of the most common health mistakes that athletes make that you've seen in your practice? Uh, okay. So biggest mistake, and I'll... And you know, the biggest one is I'll see aging athletes, okay? No, that's a dirty word, aging, getting old. I'm going to use a lot of profanity like that on the show tonight, okay? <laughs> but, uh, I like it. Go so, for it. So <laughs> these are athletes who are, oh, you know, 30, 35, 40. Um, they're, they're getting a little older. They've got a family. They've got a career. They're, um, they're wondering why they can't uh, push themselves like they used to when they were 20 years old. Geez, I'm tired. Uh, my performance is bad. Geez, I'm getting injured. Geez, I'm pulling muscles. And the biggest mistake that this group makes is that they expect to get the same results uh, with not putting in any homework, so to speak, or putting in that care for their body. So they're they're not sleeping enough. Uh, they're too stressed out. They'll take on another uh, challenge, like you know, whatever, joining the softball team, um, anything like something as straightforward as that as you know trying to do a triathlon when your body isn't rested up if you haven't been caring for it and then you take it out and you you know uh, so to speak take it around the track a few times really fast you're going to break it so i see a lot of things like that going on Uh, i see a lot of people doing the wrong sort of exercise without having done the homework, basically. So that's the biggest one that I see, for sure. Mm -hmm. Got it. So what would be some of those homework items that you find that they don't do? Um, One is that they're not fueling their body properly. So I'll use that word fueling in lieu of um, eating or a diet. So these are the folks who think that they're eating a good diet, but, of course, they're eating, you know, the the, um, standard American diet you know, processed oils, processed grains, um, rotten types of proteins, and just not enough of a good caloric balance. So as you're probably well aware, you know, most Americans are oversaturated with carbohydrates. You know, they eat carbs and carbs and carbs. They forget the protein. They forget the healthy fats. We've taken all the fat out of our diets for the most part. Um, the only place you can really get any good fat anymore, and that's a joke, by the way, is uh, from fast food, but uh, people are not eating enough of the right macronutrients. They're not um, 
they're not allowing their bodies to have the uh, the raw materials they need. Um, another one is sleep. People just don't sleep enough. You know, everybody comes in. Uh, I wake up at six. I, I work really hard. I get home. I cook dinner. You know, play with the kids, walk the dog. And geez, I'm so tired. And I go to bed at ten or eleven. Well. You know, that's a long day. Everybody works really hard. We're one of the few cultures that actually doesn't take a nap during the middle of the day or get some kind of rest. So you see people, Mm -hmm. you know, basically uh, burning the candle at both ends. So I see a lot of the same lifestyle issues that a lot of other doctors do in their practices. People working too hard, burning the candle at both ends. Um, Mm -hmm. Some other things that athletes do is um, they don't rest. You know, they get a little twinge, they get a little ache, they try and you know, work through it because a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of us were taught when we were younger is just to work through it. You know, you're um, being weak if you don't. So, of course, these people um, can't stop. They don't want to rest, you know, because they signed up for the big race or they signed up for the marathon or whatever. And then what they've done is they've taken a very minor injury and made it into a chronic injury. And those, as you know, are much harder to fix than if they just rested a few days. So I see a lot of that as well. Got it. So just a lot of the outside of the workout, the, the different mistakes that they make that don't replenish and repair their body to where they can handle the workouts and their performance becomes, you know, basically altered from that. Um, yes. and, and the thing is, too, it's, it's so interesting because I find that it's so common that the best athletes, they just eat really badly. But if they're young, that's the thing. They're young. It's like they can kind of get away with that a little more, and maybe they have those genes where they're just naturally athletic, but eventually it does catch up with them. You know, the funny thing about Facebook is you end up getting connected with people that you haven't seen in, like, 10 years. You know, and I'll I'll find, like, let's say a guy on there that I knew from high school. He was the athlete. He never looked like he would ever be overweight. And now just the the belly and, you know, it's just amazing because he, he would look like just naturally he would never, ever be overweight. And those same habits eventually really catch up with you, you know. And, right. And so, yeah, right. those natural genetics don't always pro- prote- uh, protect you forever. Right. You know, it's the, it's the old diet and lifestyle. And when all of us were, were young, you know, 19, 20 years old, you can you can basically, you know, do as, as, as much as you want and as hard as you want. You rarely suffer any, any ill effects from that. Um, yeah. And that's just, that's just youth. But... If you don't change those habits as your body starts to age and as time goes on, you're definitely going to suffer from it. So, you know, same thing. I see, um, you know, a lot of a lot of these athletic people, and I get a lot of people in here who just want to lose weight, and it's like they've been at their lifestyle for the last 10, 15, 20 years, gained 40 pounds, they're hypertensive, they're type 2 diabetic, et cetera, et cetera, and they want me to fix them in a few months so um, they can feel better, and it's just it's not that... Um, easy to undo some of these things that are years and years in the making. We can certainly get them on the right track and help. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to always, always take care of your body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's let's kind of jump into some uh, more specific things. So what are some of the um, different treatments that you offer for your athlete patients? Okay, so... Um, kind of blanket treatments that we'll do, we do a lot of uh, prolotherapy. So mm-hmm. uh, prolotherapy is an injection technique to repair damaged tendons and ligaments. And if, uh, I'm not sure if you want to hear more about that one or not. I can go ahead. Yeah, sure. I haven't mentioned anything on the show about that. That'd be great. Okay, so prolotherapy is um, an old technique. It's been around um, really since the 40s and 50s. 
And what this is, like I said, it's an injection, so we'll use a needle and a syringe, and um, we'll use a variety of, of different solutions to inject. But the premise of this is that if you have a, a um, strained ligament or tendon, and these are the connective tissues that hold your muscles to your bones and your bones to each other, um, these tissues are very important for the body. They're very strong. They're very elastic. They start to lose that over time. It's just... You know, think of a rubber band that you've stretched a million times and it gets those little cracks in it and doesn't snap back as well. So that's what happens to those over time, and they're more prone to injury, and um, they can also cause pain the looser they get. And the other problem that we've got with these tissues is that they have a poor blood supply. This is um, why a lot of times when somebody has a torn meniscus, they just go in and cut it out they rarely actually stable it back down and repair that meniscus. And the meniscus is a piece of cartilage inside of your knee. So so there's a, a few problems with that tissue inherently. So what happens is that somebody will strain it, uh, they'll get a mild tear, or it'll just cause pain. So what prolotherapy does is we'll go in and inject right where that tendon or ligament attaches to the bone. We always We only inject right where it connects. And we'll inject anything from just plain old uh, dextrose, which is basically sugar, medical uh, sugar water, and uh, a local anesthetic, something like lidocaine. And then there's also a number of different forms of injectates for prolotherapy. But we'll go in there and we're doing two things. We're, one, injecting that solution, and those cells of that connective tissue love that sugar uh, because, remember, they don't have a good blood supply, so they're not fed well. So this is why they have a hard time repairing themselves. So when you put that sugar in that in next to them locally, that can actually turn on the growth factors. So you can actually kind of wake up the um, repair mechanisms in that tissue. And then the other thing that prolotherapy is doing is that we're actually, when we go in there and inject, we're, we're tapping right where that, uh, where that connection is, and we're tapping the bone, and uh, we're causing a little bit of bleeding. We call that micro damage. So we're causing tiny little pinprick holes right there, and then we're causing that bone to bleed, and then we're also bringing some blood to the tissue. So it's a really, really neat uh, technique that's, that's a natural technique, and it stimulates the repair and the regenera- regeneration of those tissues. Um, and nowadays, people are getting um, into a more advanced form of prolotherapy called uh, platelet-rich plasma. And what that is is that we will draw some of the person's own blood and then put it in a special centrifuge and spin it down and get some of the, um, the platelets, and you get a few little stem cells in there, and then you re-inject that concentrated solution back in to that damaged tissue, and that's like um, it's like 10 times more effective than plain old prolotherapy is. So we, see, we do a lot of that for people who have a, a damaged connective tissue. They're not... Um, you know, it's not completely torn needing surgery, but they're kind of left with um, being unable to... There's no other solution for them. So that's what prolotherapy is about. Awesome. And this that's been used a lot by uh, professional athletes now, right? Yeah, you bet. It's, it's, um, you know, it's been very fringy for a long time, and it's such a great therapy, though, that it's becoming more and more um, popular now. And I will tell you that that platelet-rich plasma, or PRP, is getting... You, as you know, with a lot of medical things, you get a lot of bad press by people who don't understand it. And um, mm-hmm. you know, some people 
liken it to blood doping, you know, because you're re-injecting your own blood, which is nothing, which is ridiculous. It's nothing at all like blood doping at all. So that's not right. a it's not an illegal thing. It's not blood doping. It doesn't have anything to do with steroids or anything like that. So watch it when you uh, read in the newspaper about things like that. But you're you're finding really good success with that with your patients, right? Because they're, absolutely, they're they're. And it's a good alternative to getting surgery, right? Because that's really the other option is if they go to a conventional, conventionally trained doctor, they probably get surgery on that particular tendon, right? Right. And they'll, you know, these are people who have who've injured it. Um, you know, we'll always do our due diligence and whether they need an mm-hmm. x-ray or an MRI, you know, we'll make the right diagnosis. And um, this is something we do after you've given the body some time to heal. So a lot of folks who, you know, say have sprained an ankle, well, they need to rest, they need to do some physical therapy, they need to do the things, the conservative things, to help get that tissue healed up. And then if it's not healing well, that's when we can start using prolotherapy. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. if they've just completely snapped a tendon, something like that, that's a surgical fix. There's, you know, you can't mm-hmm. do prolotherapy on something like that. But it's a, it's a right. really nifty technique that we enjoy doing a lot. Very close. Cool. So it's not a, you know, perf- it's not a, uh, I guess, a magic pill. It's just a, it's a great tool to have in your toolbox. Yeah, yeah. It's um, well, for some people, it's a magic pill. That's for sure. It's kind of that's why it's so fun. Is because you get people who've been in pain for a long, long time, and you do a couple series of injections on them, and they're they're just amazed at how the pain's gone and how how they're functioning better. So that's uh, that's the very fun part of it. Awesome. Uh, besides the the, the prolo, what are some other uh, techniques or treatments that you use a lot with patients? So what what we'll do with, you know, we get a lot of people in who want to improve their performance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they'll say, I'm I'm slow, I'm sluggish, I'm, I don't feel well, I don't recover well. So we'll definitely do a comprehensive evaluation. And it's not just about giving them a, a pill to make them go faster. Um, what we want to do is really dissect that their diet and, you know, that's obviously a cornerstone of naturopathic medicine is getting the diet down right. Um, and then, but it's interesting is, again, these people come in, oh, I'm tired, I probably just need, you know, do you have some kind of herb that's going to make me feel better or go faster? Well, I do, but that's not the point. The point is is that uh, we want to figure out why they're tired, why they're fatigued, so I'll end up doing a lot of um, lab work. And we'll look at their, their blood chemistry, we'll look at their hormones and, uh as a a big thing I do is a lot of hormone balance. So men and women oftentimes, more often than not, have some sort of hormone imbalance that will set their their body and the rest of their health up, so to speak, for uh, shortcomings. So we spend a lot of time looking at hormones, and that can be, uh, you know, sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and then you mentioned adrenal fatigue. We'll certainly look at adrenal hormones in everybody, uh, we look at thyroid hormones, so that's a big, a big part of what we do, and that's where we uh, have a lot of success. Is because again, uh, conventional medicine doesn't really pay attention to these folks, so to speak, because they're healthy, right? They're fit, they exercise, and they're not overweight, and they don't eat, uh, you know, fast food every day and smoke cigarettes. So when they say they don't feel well, and you do a lab on them, and they're normal, well. They can't help them, so that's where we come in and really get get behind the the uh, you know get behind the engine, so to speak, and really take it apart and, and dig in. Right. 
Right, exactly. It's interesting, this NBA player who I'm not going to reveal his identity because I don't know if he'd want me to, but um, when he had sent me that message on Twitter, I, I said, oh, interesting, you know, so how are your adrenal glands doing? You know, because obviously being in the NBA, your adrenals take a beating, and, he, and that's exactly what he said. He said, my adrenals take a beating during the season, but he has these NDs, and they're helping to balance his adrenal glands. So it was just so cool to hear, you know, an NBA player say that. It was really, really encouraging, you know, that, that that's being utilized by professional athletes. Absolutely, yeah. There's a, uh, you know, it's uh, like we say. Uh, so I say active and athletic people. So active people, you know, it could be a mom who's just had a baby and wants to get back into walking, pushing the, the baby around in the stroller. How can she use exercise to get fit? All the way to, you know, these professionals. There's, you know, there's room to help everybody with all of our techniques. Absolutely. Well, let's get into just I guess some more specific types of things. So. How can an athlete or a fitness enthusiast um, decrease their re- recovery time after their workouts? What are some things you like to use for that? So big thing is that first half hour after exercise is is the most important time, so to speak, for recovery. And the reason for that is, is that uh, we call that the anabolic window. So anabolic uh, or anabolism means that that's when the body is rebuilding and repairing. So in that first half hour, your body is basically uh, two to three times more efficient at absorbing the nutrients it needs. So a big thing that we'll do is get these people um, eating the right kinds of foods immediately after their exercise. And these foods are going to be um, higher glycemic, uh, higher protein foods than they would have through the rest of the day. So the timing of this is super important and then the type of food. Now, I just said high glycemic carbohydrates, and that's obviously a big no-no in the rest of the nutrition world, world, right? We don't (laughs) want to – we want everybody to eat low glycemic. So um, that means carbohydrates that are very slowly absorbed into the body so that they don't shoot the blood sugar up, causing high insulin, causing some of the other problems that go on. But uh, if somebody has worked out over an hour, we want them – we actually want them to eat – high glycemic carbohydrates. And the reason for that is is because the body is looking for those. It's looking to restore those. It's looking to rebuild the glycogen stores that have burned up. And glycogen is just a stored form of energy in your body. So when we have somebody eat those high glycemic carbs in that first half hour after exercise, you've really replaced the energy that they've chewed up and burned. And then you've laid the foundation for their next workout. So that timing is really important. Um, the type of food, we also want people to get some protein in also. Uh, a good rule of thumb, and again, this is more for um, if somebody's done some endurance, but certainly if you've gone and played soccer for two hours, the, the same rules can apply. If you've played a basketball game for an hour, the same rules apply. Uh, we want to get in about a half a gram of protein uh, per body per pound of body weight in that first half hour. So that can be quite a bit of protein right after, but that will really, the studies show that that will really help improve recovery for these folks. Hmm. Okay. So what would, like, just an example of a post-workout meal, what would that be specifically? So good good thing to have is something like, um, so high glycemic carbohydrates, so a bagel, uh, some pasta, piece of toast, and then with these things you'd want to add some, you know, some chicken, some beef, 
some form of protein. If you're going to have a bagel, you know, you can certainly slather it with some almond butter or some peanut butter. If you're a vegetarian, of course, you can put some tofu or some tempeh in that pasta. Um, so anything like that that's going to be a relatively high glycemic carb with a good amount of protein mm-hmm. in it is ideal. Um, you know, even even a sports drink, which is just pure sugar, sometimes that can be used also as far as part of that post-exercise window because those are very high glycemic. That'll help replace those bur- those carbohydrates. And so you have to remember, I'm kind of going against the the um, the standard nutritional advice. You know, this is the only time mm-hmm. you break those those rules is that first half hour after exercise is when you want that high right. glycemic stuff to help replenish the body. So what if, like someone for myself, I, I pretty much do paleo diet. I just find I feel best on that. So doing something like maybe sweet potatoes or something like that, like more starchy veggies, like that for my carbs and then some protein, would that be kind of Absolutely. my version you know, of that probably? Yeah, sweet sweet potatoes are perfect. That's I'm glad you brought that uh-huh. up because that's a big thing that I tell people to eat if they're, you know, because you know, we of course have people who are um, athletes who are gluten intolerant or they just mm-hmm. don't like that gluten bomb or the, you know, the grains. And, of course, everybody is um, really fascinated with the paleo diet as of late. I'm a mm-hmm. fan of that as well. <laughs> so, the yeah. Um, yeah, sweet potatoes are awesome. I have a buddy who takes them on his bike and uh, squirt, you know, really? puts them in a little, Yeah, he puts them in a, you know, he bakes them, uh, puts them in a, you know, takes the skin off, puts them in a Ziploc baggie, and, and then, uh, you know, cracks it open and sucks him down and mixes it with water. So, <laughs> Wow. He's an interesting fellow, though. I just need the gel. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> That's awesome. So besides yeah, so uh, the post-workout diet, um, are there some different you know, nutrients, any supplements you like to kind of help with recovery time, um, you know, kind of that post, post-workout post soreness people can get? Yeah, you know, a big um, – a lot goes under the heading of, uh, of protein, but uh, branched-chain amino acids. So mm-hmm. – Proteins are made of amino acids, so you can kind of think of, a, of a, amino acids as the uh, letters and proteins as the words that those letters mm-hmm. spell. So branched-chain amino acids, there's um, there are three of them, and these are um, uh, leucine, uh, valine, and isoleucine. So ideally, you'd want to do about 3,000 milligrams of, some, of a branched-chain amino acid mixture in that post-half-hour window. And the reason for that is that these amino acids are kind of, you can kind of think of them as uh, giving you the most mileage to the gallon for for uh, protein. But again, there's some really good studies that show um, they will improve recovery. And the cool thing is, too, is you can take these during exercise, and it's thought that they will limit um, the influx of serotonin into the brain. So you've got serotonin as a neurotransmitter. It does a lot of good things in your brain but you tend to make more of it when you're in pain or when you're under stress. And so the the branched-chain amino acids limit that influx, so it will actually help an athlete have, um, they'll perceive the exercise as less painful. And every now and then in like these uh, endurance types, they'll actually get tired from during their exercise and it limits their, uh, their sleepiness too. So it's some really interesting stuff with those. I'm a big fan of the using the branched-chain amino acids for recovery. Interesting. I didn't know that about the serotonin. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty – yeah, lots of, good, lots of good research going on with those right now. Um, yeah. And then, you know, my favorite 
favorite herb, I guess, for recovery is rhodiola. We use that for um, a lot, rhodiola rosea, so it's used for a lot of different things, but certainly it's it's a, a great herb for recovery. It's also a great adrenal supportive herb, too, and I liken it to, you know, it's an adaptogenic herb, so what it does is it helps the organism or the body adapt and deal with stressors more efficiently, and it does that on a number of mm-hmm. different levels, but what I tell people to keep it kind of simple is that it helps you, your body utilize the energy it makes more efficiently. So um, mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a big part of uh, what we do for recovery too. Absolutely. For those of you who just tuned in, we're talking to Dr. Jason Barker. He specializes in sports medicine. If you'd like to call and ask a question, our switchboard is open. It's eight one eight. Four nine five six nine one nine eight one eight four nine five six nine one nine. I will take a Facebook question here, and this is from Jimmy on Facebook, and he would like to know. He said, "Yesterday I sprained my ankle, and I'm wondering what I can do to help with the healing of it. I don't have insurance, so he's not going to go to the doctor. So, what's, what's okay. your take on that, Dr. Barker? Yeah. So, um, you know, first order of business, I guess, is. We're always concerned with a sprain is if there's a fracture down there. So, um, you know, not having seen it and all that stuff, but um, you do worry about a fracture sometimes that you'll uh, pull part of the bone of your ankle off if you do a really bad sprain. Otherwise, if it's a more a minor sprain, we um, initially you do want to use some ice on that, and then the next best thing, uh, you know, just use the ice for a little bit, and then we wanted to use some enzymes. So. Enzymes are available in a number of different preparations. These are um, nutrients, basically, that will help the body speed up repair and healing in that damaged area. So um, there's, like I said, there's lots and lots of different types of enzymes, but using them um, away from food in this instance will allow them to get to that damaged area and work on those. And um, these are a much better thing to use than something like a, uh, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. You don't want to use those things in that case. But um, mm. definitely some what, what are your that. favorite enzymes that you use? You know, I use a lot of um, Wobenzyme because it's about the strongest mm-hmm. um, preparation out there, and, and people do really well on that one. And Wobenzyme is pretty yeah. widely available too. I love Wobenzyme. It's so expensive, but if I'm just feeling bloated, you know, I'll use some Wobenzyme, and I feel like it just kind of depuffs me. Stuff is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's good, and, and I will use it. Like I said, it's an anti-inflammatory, you know, a natural anti-inflammatory. So I will have people um, take it preventively. So if they're out mm-hmm. going out for a long workout, going to the gym to lift weights or going for a long run, if they take a couple of those before their workout, they'll actually have a lot less post-exercise soreness from that. So take it before and then take it after, and it works like a charm. It's awesome. Very cool, very cool. Now, okay, what's your take on, um, I have a lot of friends that do, like, fitness training to where they're going to be performing in competitions and stuff, and they I, they totally overtrain, and they're just, like, not yeah. even open yeah. to anything I have to suggest. But but they have a lot of menstrual problems. They literally lose their period. What's your take on that? How can someone do those types of competitions but still keep their health as much as they can? So you're talking about, like basically bodybuilders, right? Bodybuilders or like fitness competition. Yeah. Yeah, like like figure so, skating. Yeah, that and that's a that's a that's a tough one cuz like you said they they have to really put their body through the ringer so to speak to get into form for these competitions. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so what happens a lot with these gals when they're either working too hard or they've, um, their body weight has dropped to a certain percentage, they'll stop menstruating. And all that is is uh, good old Mother Nature's built-in clock saying that she doesn't think you're healthy enough to have a child, to carry a child. So I guess that's good in some ways, but obviously not very uh, pertinent to today's world. But So with these um, these women, it's tough because the problem with that is when a woman stops menstruating, her hormones are down low, her estrogen levels are low. And the problem with that is, is that she's missing out on an opportunity to help her bones stay healthy. As you know, with women, it's it's kind of a, a mad dash, so to speak, to um, get that bone mass built up. And then, you know, in that third decade, which is actually your late 20s, that's when the bone mass starts to go away. So missing out on these periods, I'm not talking about one or two here and there, but um, several in a row or even years, these women are, are at a much higher risk for uh, thinning bones and fractures. And so obviously the fracture is, a, is the acute problem we need to worry about, but then we worry about how her, bo- her bones are going to be thinner and weaker and more brittle for the rest of her life. So I get really, um, I get a little nervous when when I see women like this who are not menstruating. So what I'll do is, uh, you know, of course we want to support people as best we can in what they choose to do. But one thing I'll have them do is um, start consuming a lot more healthy fats, you know, things like the good fats in avocados, nuts, and seeds, and olive oil. And I found that in um, women who are who are training, you know, these, and I say bodybuilder or whatever fitness competition, they're all trying to get this look. They're really needing to get that very um, uh, striated look in their muscles, you know, so where you can kind of see right through their skin and see the the uh, patterns of their muscle. But interestingly, when they um, use these healthier fats, it seems like a lot of these women can um, sustain their fat intake and not have it kind of stick on their skin, so to speak. So something to be said for using those healthier fats. And then what we're trying to do, obviously, is keep her body fat percentage up at least higher than it would be if she wasn't eating anything at all. And sometimes that can make all the difference in the world. Hmm. Got it. Yeah, it's there has to be that balance. You know, it's all about priorities too. Is it more important to just have the most cut body at the expense of your health, or you know, having that balanced health to where you're fertile, you're healthy, you're balanced? You know, it kind of does come down to priorities sometimes too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to um, you don't want to squash somebody's dreams, and I think right. uh, do, doing something like that for a few years, you know, really trying to support your body as best as you can is no problem. But then um, you know, I, I do get some people who have been at this for a long, long time, and then their hormones are a real mess, as you know, and it can be difficult to, to fix that, too. So right, uh, right. telling, you know, rest is a is a dirty, dirty word for a lot of athletic people, so <laughs> it's yeah. hard to bring that one up sometimes. Yeah, I have a girlfriend of mine. She probably has, I don't even know what her percentage body fat is, but it's not very much, and she's wanting to start, you know, looking into getting pregnant with her husband. It's like, honey, if you're not having a period, you're probably not going to get pregnant. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take a question from Kenna on Twitter. She says, I get a headache every time I go on a long run, but I love to run. What can I do? Okay, so first thing I think about with her is, is she anemic or not? Because um, I've seen that a lot. Um you might say, well, geez, how can you run and be anemic? Well, you can certainly 
um, be anemic, and I'm talking about iron deficiency anemia where you don't have enough iron on board to create enough red blood cells, and the red blood cells are what uh, carry the oxygen around. So sometimes you'll see that when the body's um, really under under demand, the muscles are, are demanding all that oxygen. There's just plain not enough getting into the brain causing a headache. Uh, it can also be related, you know, so I would suggest maybe she get a blood test for anemia. And one extra test to look at is something called ferritin, which is a storage form of iron. So we know that um, uh, a woman can be anemic, um, or rather, let me back up, she can be iron deficient, meaning she has low ferritin, low, low storage forms of iron, but not be anemic and can suffer from the same type of symptoms as somebody who is anemic. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so mm -hmm. in, in these women, we want to actually get her some iron in her diet and get her ferritin stores up, and you can take care of some of these uh, anemia problems. Otherwise, for her, I'd suggest maybe, um, uh, you know, is it the intensity? Is she actually breathing? It sounds funny, but you get people who run really intensely and they get into real shallow breathing and they actually create some hypoxia in their head, you know, lack of oxygen. And then even looking at, like, um, her form, is it, uh, are her trapezius muscles really tight? Does she, you know, kind of, is she one of these persons who runs with her uh, shoulders up at her ears, you know, really kind of stressed and holding that tight? That'll certainly cause a headache, too. So that, those are the mm -hmm. first few things I'd look at with her. Got it. All right. And here's a question from Amy, and she wants to know, I'd like to know Dr. Barker's average day in his food and training life. What what does he eat and how does he train? Okay. <laughs> so, um, so I'll kind of, so I'm, I'm 6'2 and I weigh 155. So I'm, I'm lean and then depends on the year. So, um, this is more of an off year for me. And so what I do what I'm doing right now is I do about seven to ten hours a week of of um, either riding my bike or swimming or running. So, and this is a more of a uh, what am I doing? I'm going to race cyclocross this fall. So that's kind of like mm -hmm. a, a road bike on the dirt. So <laughs> grown-up version mm -hmm. of BMX. So that's that's kind of how I'm training. So I'm really only doing like an hour to an hour and a half of exercise a day. And then I will mm -hmm. also do. Um, this is funny. I get to talk about myself. That's funny, but um, <laughs> I know it's funny, right? <laughs> so yeah. So then I'll, and then I also do, um, you know, push-ups and sit-ups and some core exercises. And then what do I eat? So in the morning I will have. Uh, is that what they wanted to know? What do I eat too? Yeah, yeah. What does he eat? And how does he train? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in the <laughs> in the morning I'll have. Uh, uh, a gigantic smoothie. So it's my secret recipe. I, I can't tell you that one. No, I'm you kidding, can't but, tell, uh, really? No, I can tell. So I do, okay. um, <laughs> fro you know, frozen berries and, um, you know, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, blackberries. And then I'll use some rice milk and some almond milk. And then I will, I have a, um, how, what's it called? It's like a berry, a berry blend, you know, a bunch of ground up mm -hmm. berries. It's like a green drink, but it's a berry one. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's made by Greens First. I love that. Berry, I don't yeah. know what they call it. One. But uh, I'll put a scoop of that in there because it's got a lot of tons of antioxidants. And then I will put in about three or four tablespoons of olive oil in the smoothie. 
So I'm a person who needs the fat, and I like to burn the fat, and so uh, olive oil is a great addition to your smoothie because it's fruity tasting as is, and it's a good way to put some extra fat calories in there. So I'll have a giant smoothie like that, and then I'll have uh, a couple of eggs maybe or some uh, fake sausage, meaning some soy sausage, something like that, and then or some turkey sausage, and then maybe uh, a bowl of cereal or something like that, like a whole grain thing. So that's my my breakfast, and then snacks. I'll do. I'll try and make this short. So I'll do. I'll do fruit. <laughs> um, you know, with apples with slathered with almond butter. It's like I kind of live off of that in between meals. And then lunch, I'll do gobs and gobs of veggies, like some gigantic salad with some protein in it. So either some chicken or some salmon, and then more apple and almond butter. And then dinner is just you know a protein, uh, you know rice, sweet potato. Uh, veggies, something like that, and so mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't pretend to be holier than thou or anybody else. So some <laughs> days I will eat some ice cream, some Ben and Jerry's, and every now and then I'll have a beer or something like that too. So that's you're banished. You can't be on my show anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I live in Fort Collins, this is home of Fat Tire, you know. So I exactly out of town if I don't do that. So so that's kind of in general what I do. Nice. And she also wants to know what your take is on um, coconut for a fat source, like medium chain triglycerides. Yeah, I think I think it's um, you know the the ray it's all the rage now. You know, um, fifteen fifteen years ago when I was in school, it was bad for you. You know, vegetable oils were right. bad for you. So now it's good for you. Um, medium medium chain triglycerides, I think, are. You know, quite simply, I think it's fine. I think it's it's healthy. I think that, um, you know, as long as a person is eating, uh, you know, plant sources of fats and plant sources of foods, you're not going to go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but yes, to answer the question, I think coconut oil is, is a fine, healthy source of fat. I don't see any problem with that. I think we get... Right. You know, clear, clearly it's the it's the simple carbohydrates that are making everybody sick in this country. Right. So, so I think um, absolutely. You know, as long as we can reduce those, you're you're well on the way to better health. Absolutely. Yeah, I tell patients it's not the fat that makes you fat necessarily. You know, it's it's the inflammation and it's the processed foods and it's the, the bad carbs. And so I think people have like this disconnect between what they put in their mouth and the way that their body kind of expands and so it isn't always that direct connection that people think of so that's great to hear you have that perspective on the fat um i would love to hear a little more of just um some things to increase performance for athletes i know people are going to tune in and want to know just some what are some great things that help me be a better athlete and just increase my performance and all of that so is there anything else that you you know could recommend as things that you like to use with patients you mentioned some good ones already well i'm gonna so i'm gonna start out with the the boring, non-sexy answer, and that's just, you know, a good diet and and sleep and rest are will go will take an athlete farther than any type of medicine ever will. So if people aren't doing that, and they and then they want you know me to give them something or tell them whatever the secret is. It's it it just doesn't it doesn't work out if you're not eating well and you're not sleeping. All these other things aren't going to make a darn bit of difference. But so there's your there's your unsexy answer. But then, more interestingly, um, you know, uh, the big thing I like to use are um, 
intravenous uh, vitamins, so, you know, something like a Myers cocktail. So all this is is a, a, a vitamin and mineral mix that we can hook up in an IV and give that to somebody. And that is, that's a, a fun little thing to do because people always, always, always feel like a million bucks after this. And so we'll do this before mm-hmm. races, um, anything like that. So that's that's one of my favorite things. It's not an easy thing necessarily because you've got to come in and you've got to sit down and do all that stuff, but it's it works wonders for hydrating people and really getting those nutrients in if they're lacking anything. Mm-hmm. I love Myers cocktails. I did that before taking my board exam, and I had just so much better mental clarity, and I was just ready to take those tests. So that is awesome. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're great for. I mean, if you're sick and, and you take it, they're good. They're if you're stressed out and you get one. The, I mean, they have so many great uses. Mhm. Absolutely. What about things that people can do at home? Any any supplements you like? You know, kind of um, over the counter yeah. stuff or not so much. Yeah. So I mentioned rhodiola. That's something you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, I put out there that. Um, you know, there's so many supplements out there. A lot of them are junk, you know, that come from a lot of the stores. So you need to be a, a smart shopper. And I'm sure that's a that's a topic for another 10 shows for you. But uh, rhodiola is, is very helpful for recovery. It makes people feel better. Um, I use a lot of magnesium with athletic people because it's basically in short supply in our diets. It's a nice, gentle muscle relaxer. Most people's muscles are in knots all the time. It'll kind of help mm-hmm. melt the muscles. Magnesium is also used in a lot of energy processes in the body, so getting people's um, magnesium levels up can really help them feel better. It helps you sleep better, and it helps with the energy during the day. Um, and then, you know, antioxidants. I'm big, big on, on using antioxidants, so I don't care where you get them from, but everybody should be taking lots and lots of them. They're super important, again, for, you know, um, you know, preventing that oxidative damage that you get from like day-to-day living. And if you're an endurance athlete, you're creating even more of that. But um, there's even some newer studies showing that, you know, people who take antioxidants have more energy, they have less fatigue, less injury, things like that. So antioxidants are anything, you know, from from uh, vitamin C all the way to, you know, the grapeseed extract or glutathione or all these things. There's lots and lots of antioxidants mm-hmm. out there. So those are the awesome. few things I would mention. Okay, cool. I have um, just a couple other Facebook questions, and then we will wrap it up. So this question is from Courtney, and she says, I love lifting weights, but nearly every time I do, I'm pretty sore afterwards. I do a pre- and post-workout snack of 30 grams of carbs and 20 grams of protein, as well as branched-chain amino acids afterwards, making sure to be hydrated. Is there anything else I should be doing or anything else I should be looking at to reduce soreness and uh, improve recovery? Um, Yeah, we mentioned the enzymes earlier. That would be a good thing for her to try before that workout, Mm -hmm. like about an hour before. She'd want to keep that away from the food, so um, an hour away from any food on either end, basically. So Mm -hmm. an hour after meal or an hour before a meal, she could try some of that Wobenzyme. She could try it after and then I'd be kind of curious as to why she is uh, sore after every workout if she's right. staying static in that workout. You know, usually you go and um, you'll be using the same weight in general and you should be adapted and then you don't get sore until you actually change the routine or increase the weight or the repetitions or something like that. So I'd be kind of curious to know what's going on with that. 
right, try right. some enzymes for sure. Mm-hmm. And then also I would, I would add for Courtney too that, you know, if you're having just sort of chronic inflammation, maybe you have some, some food sensitivities. I mean, it sounds like you're doing some good things already, but if you find that using those enzymes doesn't really help it, look into some food sensitivities. Maybe you're just, ha- you know, have more inflammation in general. So that might be uh, something to look into. Maybe some dairy that, or some, um, Yeah, sorry, yeah. Some, some fish oil. So fish oil is a big anti-inflammatory. I'm a big fan of using that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That will that can definitely help with some of that soreness also. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, let's see. I think I kinda went through most of these questions. Oh, and then just lastly, you live in obviously very high up there, Colorado. What's your take on altitude training for um, you know, endurance training or optimizing performance? So altitude training will will undoubtedly increase your, your performance. So the tough thing is that, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to split it, but if uh, the, ideal, the ideal thing is we have a saying, uh, um, train high and sleep low. So that means get up to the mountains and do your workout and then come down and sleep at a lower altitude at night. So that's kind of based on all the studies. But all you're doing at altitude is you are forcing your body to work with less oxygen and what it'll do is it'll start uh, secreting a hormone to make more red blood cells. So if you do that, if you, let's say you were to come out to Colorado and go up to Breckenridge and 9,000 and a half feet or something like that and do your run for a week and then uh, that next Saturday go back down to California and run your marathon, yeah, you would feel like a million bucks for sure. You'd be flying. So um, yeah. it could be very effective. It's just not not very efficient for most people's lifestyles. Right. That's, kind right. Of, that's why all the athletes originally moved to Boulder because it was a good place, a good high altitude place to train. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so they train up there. You know, Boulder's you know only five thousand or so feet, so it's not considered true high altitude, but it certainly uh, beats sea level, I would imagine. So, um, but yeah, that's that's the that's the best way to do it. Or you can buy one of these. Um, uh, altitude tents that they sell. Those are a couple thousand bucks, and it'll you can sleep in it, and it'll uh, mimic high altitude. <laughs> so, not very practical. Wow, I never yeah, even heard of a, that. Yeah, they had a, um, a house in in Oregon, um, and it was an altitude house basically. And what they it was a special house they retrofitted and and made it as if it was at ten thousand feet with the the oxygen level in there. And they had a lot of um, other. This was sponsored by Nike, of course, who's out in Beaverton, Oregon. And they had uh-huh. uh, a lot of their young athletes living in this house, uh, trying to, you know, simulate a high altitude experience for them. So um, that's that's kind of how far some people will take it. A little glimpse into that world. <laughs> that is I don't know how everybody did that. training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, would, I don't know how I'd enjoy that, but. <laughs> No, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Dr. Barker, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners before I, I let you go? And, and also, where can listeners learn more about you as well? Say, I'm sorry. Say that again. Oh, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners before we, we wrap up? No, I, uh, you know, I just kind of drive home is, is obviously people are interested in feeling better. And, and like you said, you asked that question, what's the best thing they can do? And I really would really, really emphasize is that diet and uh and getting adequate rest. If you don't have those, you know, all this other stuff isn't really going to make a big difference. So really work on the diet and find the right diet. Um, 
people ask me, you know, what is the right diet? I don't know the answer to that, but it's it's the one that makes you feel the best with, of course, some guidance. And you mentioned that uh, paleo diet, and I, I really do like that. I'm not a full-on paleo person, um, mm-hmm. just with with my own routine and things like that. I get you know I get people who absolutely thrive on it, and I get people who absolutely wither on it, and you know, you see uh, vegans who who are incredible athletes, and then you know I get the the vegetarians who come in, and I can I'll say, oh, so you're a vegetarian? Well, how do you know? Because I can tell by looking at you. So it's fi- <laughs> finding the finding that right diet is a is really a big key. Absolutely, and I love that you mentioned that too. Is that everybody's so individualized? Whether it's the exercise that a person thrives on or the diet they thrive on, I'm I'm fully in agreement with you, and that's that's. The beauty of naturopathic medicine is very individualized and customized for the particular patient. So totally, totally in agreement with that. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can listeners learn more about you? So I have a couple of websites. Um, First one is just uh, Fort Collins. It's F-O-R-T Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S dash natural medicine, all one word. And that's a practice website. And then I have another site that is called um, the, or just plain old Natural Athlete Clinic. That's all one word. And this is a project that we've got going where I'm trying to provide a lot of um, natural sports medicine information on there. And then we've got a lot of ideas and product availability and things like that too. So one of those two websites, and they can get a lot more information. Great. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, giving us your time for the last hour, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Thanks. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. That was our show with Dr. Jason Barker. Definitely check out his website. And if you missed the intro to the show, next week's show is going to be fantastic with Dr. Abu Nassar. He's a conventionally trained medical doctor, and it's going to be all about how to optimize your brain power and really boost your memory and prevent cognitive declines. It'll be great for anyone who wants to prevent memory problems or someone who has memory problems already. So definitely spread the word. Let anybody know who might have Alzheimer's or any kind of neurological stuff. It'll be a really great show to tune into. Um, If you missed any of the previous shows, you can check them all out on my website. They're all archived. You can get an MP3 version, put it on your iPod or your MP3 player, and that's on drlaurennoel.com. And if you have any questions for me, definitely contact me through the website. And thanks again for the continued listen, everybody. And we'll uh, check you next Tuesday. Take care. Bye-bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's getting $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's getting $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.